Hello, I'm Candy, and welcome to the Backstage Pass podcast, the Christmas special. This guest absolutely blew my mind when I saw her a couple of months ago, and she left me speechless during the podcast. So much talent and is so beautiful inside and out, the mesmerizing Bryony Perdue. Bryony is a trained opera singer and now is a star in the cabaret world singing and hosting events. We talk about the incredible life in cabaret, embracing your uniqueness, and as it's Christmas, you'll get to hear her sing. Drum roll, please. Let's go. Bryony, you originally trained as an opera singer. Yes. How did you go from opera to cabaret? Uh, I loved opera because I loved languages and I had a very encouraging teacher at school and I loved acting as well. So opera has acting in it, but it's very much admirable that people get given where you're going to stand, what you're going to do, how you interact with other actors. And I kind of like to go off copy (laughs) and I like to kind of go with the flow of things and opera didn't have as much freedom as I needed. I have some amazing friends who are still doing opera who are wonderful. It was um, cabaret managed to combine being able to still do classical tracks and I rewrite the lyrics so they're a bit more saucy and often a bit more drunk. (laughs) Um, But I, uh, yes, I've come away from opera with all that knowledge and all that, you know, background and uh, foundation in that kind of style Mm. of singing. And cabaret satisfies the camp high art that I think opera can represent with the freedom of being able to go with the flow. How did you go from the opera to cabaret? Was it was it an easy transition? Did you did you go looking for the work or did you go to a show and you're like, okay, I want to perform here? An absolute combination. So I joined a band and mm-hmm. I brought friends together and we played jazz and we played soul and we did functions and various gigs. And from there, I then went, right, now I feel really comfortable with what I can bring to a situation, a stage situation without it needing to be super rehearsed. Because I'd been so rehearsed and I was just finding my way on how I do that without all that rehearsal and all that time spent mm. ahead of actually performing. And I went and I auditioned for uh, for a cabaret venue and the person auditioning me is now a really good mate. And she was just on her phone whilst I'm auditioning because she was like, I knew you'd be great. I didn't need to see you. Like, we weren't even that close then. But she was like, I've heard you sing. You kind of don't need to be. This is kind of a, just making sure you can actually do it here in this room. <laughs> but she was just on wow. her phone. And I said to her after, I was like, mate, you were just on, well, not mate, now I've asked her yeah. since. I was like, you were just on your phone the whole time during okay. that. And I was like, <laughs> just wasn't worried about you. Just knew you'd be fine. So That's um, brilliant. that was seven years ago, six years ago, six years mm-hmm. ago. So I've not looked back since. Again. What's your favourite part of the cabaret industry? Oh, my gosh. It's really difficult to say, like, the backstage, because people don't get to see that. Uh-huh. But you're backstage, and you've got some incredibly talented dancer who is just trying to stick their nipple pasties on <laughs> whilst talking to you about their week. And then you've got someone who's just, um, where's the safest place for me to set up my fire? Sure, that's happening. You've got someone latexing a bald cap to their head and it's all completely normal. And that's always seemed and felt normal to me. 
because I guess I'm a bit, I'm a bit, I think I'm a bit, um, grew up on a hippie farm, well, near a hippie farm in Scotland and spent a lot of time there. So people have always just done what they do and you just accept it. Mm-hmm. And then I came down to London and people do some things in a sort of certain way, not in Cabaret, and I love it. So I think backstage for me, and everyone's very supportive. They're very like, mm-hmm. nice to each other. Yeah, you're like, I've, I hear stories, but I've never been party to like anyone being anything other than completely lovely. So yeah, I think I've been lucky. I mean, my experience of it, you know, oh, it is wonderful. It's the support and the complete and utter admiration for mm. everybody else and making the space mm. for people to rehearse and get ready. And it just, it's so nice. In in ballet, it wasn't always like that. I've said it in previous podcasts, it can feel very, very tense mm. and it's, and it's, uh, it's very silent and you feel on edge. And sometimes you need that banter that support sometimes a bit of a joke it's so it gets you in the zone to then go on stage and perform absolutely and the ballet comparison to opera ballet is to dance what opera is to singing right you know so it's the i suppose the the highest extension of a dance form certainly perceived by society Mm -hmm. not necessarily in reality but it's the one that takes complete discipline yeah. It's the one that takes complete commitment. I wasn't allowed or wasn't encouraged, was discouraged from singing other genres and other styles while studying opera because it can affect your voice. And of course it does. Because it's it's if you're belting, mm-hmm. it's a very different vocal approach than singing classically. And it can affect how cleanly the sound comes out when you then go back to singing classically. I had no idea. So it does. It does. Wow. But I imagine that um, you would possibly warm up in a different way for tap than you would for ballet. I mean, yeah. You have to warm your body up, mm. but it's a different, it's a different version of the same language. It makes so much sense. Yeah. I just never thought of it that way. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've never really... spoken to someone who's experienced in opera. So, mm. you know, I've, I've spoken to singers before and they talk to, about how they're warming up their vocal cords and all mm. of that, but that's for, you know, singing in a band and things like that. And obviously, it's important to rehearse, but I never knew it was a completely different set of warm up and yeah, that, that's wonder, fascinating. I wonder if it's taken too far by opera. I think you can really? get that foundation in a style. Mm-hmm. And then at some point I felt rightly or wrongly that it was opera or, and only opera or leave. It was right. either. You couldn't, I didn't feel I was encouraged to explore enjoying other genres and being able to make music singing with other with bands and make money instead of just focusing on opera. Mm. And opera is really hard to get into a position to to earn a living from. It takes years. Right. What do you do in those years? Mm. How do you make ends meet? How do you live in London? How do you pay rent? And for me, I it's interesting because mm. I look back and I think I was quite deliberate about my choice Mm. to go from opera into more jazz and function work, function meaning like weddings and things and singing at weddings, um, because I wanted to earn a living doing music, not get another job whilst rehearsing opera in the evenings and at weekends so that I could then come into opera in eight, ten years' time at the time. It's quite overwhelming, even just hearing that. Mm. Do you find that you've got much more of an identity in cabaret than you would have done in opera? Was it would it be that you were singing amongst a lot of other opera singers, or how does it work? Is it that you are aiming to be like a principal 
like in the ballet you're like you've got the core or I don't know what you would call in the in in the opera but you're sort of climbing up the ranks is that the same sort of thing absolutely so um interestingly I was I auditioned for a classical vocal group and uh the, the lady who auditioned me she said if we had four of you we'd be fine and I was like <laughs> what do you mean she goes well you're you're such a strong personality and your voice is so distinctive that if we had four of you we'd have like this amazing blend oh. and this amazing group but we don't we don't need a soloist we need a person who can blend and I was frustrated by that at the time because I can blend but I'm in an audition, so I'm going to give you my best, most characterful performance. However, she's kind of right. I'm a soloist, but you can't be a soloist in opera, at least, until you are, I'm now 30. I'd be starting now. Mm. What would I have done for the last eight years? And the identity thing's really important. I think I found I didn't really have like a strong sense of self. It's growing all the time. Still learning mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really have a strong sense of self until I made female friends and that happened at music college. And I went, oh, women are amazing. I've always been quite scared of the girls at school and stuff. Came to music college. They've all spent all their time in the music department being, you know, shut away, rehearsing and practicing as well. So the identity thing came with feeling I was around people I had something in common with. Mm. And then I found cabaret and I went, oh my gosh, this is, it didn't take any time. I was like, I've always belonged here. (laughs) <laughs> I should have always been here and now I'm here. And how did you develop your your style, your your image? That's a really interesting one because I am tall and can be quite glamorous. So I was basically the tall, glamorous singer with a big voice and hosting and comparing. But I would quite regularly just trip on my own dress and fall so a bit goofy. <laughs> and I have no problem with making a fool of myself at all. I would never make a fool of an audience member. Because that's, you know, you're there to make people have a really great time. Happy to make a fool of myself. I literally fell on stage a couple weeks ago. I went, part of it, it was all part of it, came off. My husband was in the audience and he went, oh, so that was funny. I was like, yeah, it wasn't part of it. (laughs) (laughs) And then when I found my lane, my proper groove, I was performing downstairs at the Ned, which is quite a dark Berlin-esque cabaret, uh, in a suit. And I went, right. Okay, so this for me combines all of the, I have a big brother, all of the male qualities that I can exhibit that we all have within us, all the female qualities that I have within me, and it brings them together into this perfect, so what? Yeah. Blend. Mm. Because we're all a bit of everything. Yeah. And I can be hyper or I can be very serious, and it it just works in a suit. So that's how I found it. I uh, put a bow tie on and I was away. (laughs) <laughs> fantastic and very unique as well because mm. I've not seen that ah I mean I've seen you mm. but I hadn't seen anyone else wearing a suit so Marlena Dietrich is obviously a massive inspiration for that and she um if I was allowed to smoke indoors although I'm not a smoker I would absolutely have like just at the beginning <laughs> of the show I'd just start with a cigarette complete the look with a silhouette just you know because that would just be so iconic and she was iconic because she used to just hold the change the air in a room oh could you do like a water vape type thing that's oh, yeah, not maybe. not bad for you that could be good yeah mm-hmm. all right all right throwing some ideas right. around as well <laughs> like let's do it i want to talk a bit about 
your time at school because you mentioned to me that that you were bullied and it's a it's a topic that many people not just in the arts but many people across the board can relate to mm. so if you wouldn't mind telling me a bit about your experience with it and how it made you feel sure so i am um, you probably can't tell now but i grew up in scotland and i have had this uh, lovely scottish accent and i had amazing exceedingly long hair and because of my dad's job, we moved down to Dorset, down to the southwest. Mm. And I got into a beautiful school on a music scholarship. And my brother went there too. And I joined in year six, so I'm about 10, 11 years old. Okay. And I do remember walking across to uh, to lunch. And I made, I, you know, I, I was chatting to people that I was nearest in the queue on the way into lunch. And I went, um, excuse me, what's games? And they were like, it's, uh, it's games, it's like a sport. And I was like... Oh, you have sport in the schedule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, games is on a Tuesday and a Thursday and, and a Saturday. It's school on Saturday as well. Uh, I was like, sport in the, in the timetable. That's weird. So I had to adjust to all this. And um, I actually look back on it and I think of 10-year-old Bryony as quite a strong personality. And I think that she actually had a lot of admiration, a lot of admiration for her. But I did come home from school each week. My mum said for a year, I came home two or three nights a week crying. I was really mm. unhappy. And part of that was that I had this beautiful free range hippie life up in Scotland. So the culture shock was big. And all my friends in Scotland were from very varied backgrounds. Came down to England, not such varied backgrounds. And there's a lot of people that had known each other since they were very little because they'd always been at this school. Very hard to build yourself into any of the friendship groups. And the over time, I just realised I wasn't going to be best mates with anyone. I was just going to get along. I could sit anywhere in the lunch hall after a couple of years and wouldn't mind. But I never felt particularly comfortable there. And, and, and at 10, 11, when, when girls that have been there for a while just decide to pick on you. Yeah. It's a lot. And there was one particular girl who was just really, she was cruel. She was cruel. And I've learned since that she's living at home, not doing anything that she particularly likes. And I don't feel, I don't feel great about that. I'm not like, ha ha, joke's on you. But I'm like, well, I get to do what I love. I hope she goes and finds what she loves because it's obviously insecurity that breeds that level of attack, right? Yeah. Thank you for saying that because that is, that is the underlying factor that I think gets missed. And when you're young, it's awful. I mean, I remember getting bullied and it wasn't terrible bullying, but it was, people were saying, um, I don't think I can even say it, but they were saying twinkle toes, but with the F word. And it was the, it was the way that she was saying everything twinkle toes, you know, and it, but I perhaps was a little bit sensitive, but I was also not thinking, Oh, I wonder what she's going through. Because you, oh, no, you don't, you don't. You're just I'm there going, going this, is, yeah. this is awful and impactful on me. And But then it's not till you grow up and you start to see where they're at now. And you go, okay, so there were some issues. There was a reason why they were attacking. But mm -hmm. it's, it's still not justifying it. I mean, bullying is an awful thing. Mm -hmm. And I hope it never happens to my kids. But also I've got to teach them to be tough mm -hmm. and to properly deal with it you know but Whilst yeah staying soft exactly yeah not 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 dealing with the fizzy cuffs or anything like that no. you know just finding a way you know sticking to your guns you know i think also being i have always been loud 
I'm actually currently working out whether or not that is because of ADHD, partly. Okay. That's fine. If that is the case, great. If it isn't, I'm still me. That's all <laughs> but I'm going through an assessment process for that at the moment. Um, but being loud intimidates people. It does, especially mm-hmm. children. And every single school report I had was, yeah, Bryony's doing all right. Wish she'd shut up and let everyone else crack on. <laughs> <laughs> But what that actually was, was again, you know, understanding now, not at the time, um, that that's also insecurity, you know, like if you don't feel fully comfortable in a situation, you you act out in whatever way is natural to you. Mine was being a joker, being loud. And that has obviously now I found a way to monetize that and make a career out of it. I'd say you win. It's worked out. Yes, definitely. Definitely. I mean, how did you cope with the bullying? Was it, was it, did you manage to sort of control the environment or, or not control, but you found your place in the school so that the bullying wasn't affecting you quite as much? Did you find a way to break away from it so that you could deal with it on your mm. own? I how think did the you? actual dealing with it emotionally took 10 years. I really do. Yeah. But I think what I physically did was, uh, escaped to the music department and where I was at school in North Dorset the music department had individual practice rooms with pianos in them Lovely. so you could actually go and have a music room and play piano or sing or hide behind the piano and just just sit down for a bit and just you know take a breather sort yourself out and go back out into into lunch or break time wherever mm. it was yeah and it was um I was very lucky that I encountered this incredible teacher who did fully change the trajectory of my life. She heard me singing in one of these, I'm taking myself off to the music block uh-huh. moments. And she went, she knocked on and she went, uh, I was just wondering if, um, if you thought about having singing lessons. I know you have a music scholarship with, at the time, oboe and piano. Um, and I was like, oh, well, yeah, I love that. Like, I love singing. I think it's the thing I like the best. And uh, my parents were like, well, you can't miss any more lessons. And also we can't also cover <laughs> singing lessons as well as piano. Yeah. Even though it's at like this beautiful school, you know, there were limitations. Still. Mm-hmm. Um, and the singing teacher would still give me lessons if someone didn't turn up. She can't find me and she'd bring me in. She'd give me a lesson. Wow. Or if there was a free period, as, as we got older through school, you had free periods where you were doing GCSEs to sure. just study. Mm-hmm. And she'd go, oh, well, my, funnily enough, my free slot's in the same as yours. Um, so she, she took me under her wing. And she, I got married this year and she was at my wedding. She's like oh. one of my favorite people. And she had a huge bearing on my life. Huge. That's wonderful. And was another refuge from not being very happy at school. Right. Like a school mum. <laughs> That's school amazing. Mom. Yeah. God, school was so tough. I also got, um, oh. I'm just thinking about it. I spent a lot of time, uh, like there was a school nurse and I had really bad tummy ache because I was so unhappy. Yeah. Like, and I actually did. Like they found there was nothing wrong, but I actually had really bad tummy ache. So I'd quite regularly go to the school nurse and say, like, I need to go home. I don't feel well. And I was not making it up. I did not mm. feel comfortable, but it was absolutely, I think the term is psychosomatic, where you just go, you actually physically have symptoms, but there's no physical cause. Yeah. It's that your brain is going, 
this is a way to to slow you down to take you out of a situation mm. um and definitely definitely had that at school as well yeah the stress being, being bullied is huge yeah the stress it put it does mm. it, it it affects everything about mm. you it can make you can make you very ill i remember i was really really ill between 14 and 16 years mm. i found that that was when the bullying sort of heightened i mean i was at a massive disadvantage in that i wasn't a teacher's pet mm. i was head teacher's pet he was obsessed with ballet right, and i was okay. then going to the raw ballet and so yeah i think i did one of my gcse's in the office right like, i think it was it was quite bad you know it's 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 weird you sort of repress it and move yeah, on yeah, and exactly. some bits you deal with about and i haven't i had forgotten mm. i must have spent most mornings popping to the sand to, to speak to the nurse to say my my tummy's really sore and she just oh. um she was so sweet so patient with me but it would normally end up with here's a cough sweet because they're delicious <laughs> <laughs> have you had your 10 minutes have you had a breather can you go back to lessons and i normally would and because i was doing all right grades wise i suppose teachers just kind of accepted it mm. that's not their fault they had other kids who were you know who needed more perhaps you know so my parents are very good my my mum at the time just said it takes a year to settle in anywhere okay yeah and i went a year <laughs> seems like a long this time is, this first <laughs> week has been awful a year and she it was hard and i i would rather not have had to go through that but she was right after a year i'd done four seasons mm -hmm. i understood where i stood for myself and i uh made the best of a pretty amazing opportunity being at this beautiful school. Yeah. So it's good in the end. Was there a turning point where you thought, I, I, I accept what's going on or I rise above it or it's just stopped. It's just stopped now. A bit of the, it's just kind of stopped now because I mm. think, I think I sort of chose to rise above it because it was very obvious that it bothered me a lot to begin with. So very obvious to the people perpetrating. Yes. And they and attack became, more when yeah. you do. Yeah. And it became less obvious to them over time. Um, possibly because I just thought that was another tactic to just reduce getting, you know, getting picked on. And then it just kind of petered away. And I found that I actually then started really enjoying sport. And I'd never been sporty. I was uh, in Scotland, you say podgy. I was quite podgy. <laughs> and then I got to... 12, 13 and grew five inches in a summer and got really slim and learned how to use eyeliner. No one knew what to do with it. All my guy friends were like, who is this? <laughs> Can't talk to her. She's now a girl. It's gone from Bryony to, oh, Bryony. <laughs> and I certainly hadn't been interested in them until that point, I tell you. I was like, boys are just like, it's like my brother. <laughs> <laughs> So going from from that to opera, mm. was was it that you had the singing lessons and then you auditioned into an opera school? Tricky route. Okay. So I, because I'd done fairly well at school in grades and I'd enjoyed French at school. Nice. I my parents are both medics, so my wow. mum's a midwife and my dad a forensic pathologist. Wonderful. <gasps> so <sighs> criminal deaths. Uh -huh. very, he's very very interesting. As, mm. as is my mother. Um, and they're both very, very, they were both very, very, um, you know, big in their fields as it were. So, um, when we moved south, mum's job sort of became a lot slower. And then, uh, my dad's picked up, 
just by virtue of their roles when they when we moved. And I th- they suggested I get a, a real degree to fall back on. Yeah. I really do real degree <laughs> because I went to go and study French and Italian at Cardiff Uni. And I mean it when I say within two hours, I knew I was in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. Really? I unpacked into my room in Cardiff and went, I might just pack and go back. And my mum said, it takes a year to settle in anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, well, fair to her. She was right last time. So, all right, I'll give it a time. I'll see how I go. And I managed to attend 10% of my lectures there, have a great time partying, had a boyfriend in Scotland I was obsessed with at the time, made some terrible decisions, had a big old learning curve, left after the first year, and then went and uh, sort of spent a lot of time around this music teacher's house, retraining to get into opera because I'd studied French and Italian because I thought if I want to do music at some point, and she'd encouraged and cultivated a love of opera and classical. French and Italian might just be a way in down mm, the line. So it was always a compromise. Clever. It was always a compromise and a, and a conscious mm. one. So I can be a translator for the government or something. Haha, <laughs> yes, mum and dad, that's what I'll do. Um, <laughs> with a tiny little thing in the back of my mind. And we had a few arguments. I want to go and do music. And they went, we understand that. But naturally, they want what's best for you. And their view not knowing what the music industry is like to live and work in, mm. they didn't know how that was going to work. So they went, get a yeah. real degree and you can fall back on it and then you can do music afterwards. Lasted a year, retrained, got in, went to Trinity Lab in Greenwich. Nice. Inspirational place to be. Met my coven, my crew. <laughs> got a bunch of gigs, lived with some great friends and it really did, it built organically. And when I got into cabaret, I really never looked back. It was, it combines that complete, um, that complete creation, that comedian off the cuff ability to respond to a heckle. (laughs) Yeah. With, you have to have serious confidence in your skill. It's not about being super confident. That isn't necessarily attractive to people. As a host, you have to actually kind of be an every man, every woman or something aspirational. But you have to be able to just back yourself completely. Of course, I've made mistakes and bumbled things and got words wrong. And you just go, well, that was stupid, wasn't it? <laughs> and that's that got confidence to do that. Yeah. Comes from spending time on stage. There's no shortcut. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to talk to you more about your cabaret because I mean, I watched you in a show mm. and admittedly, right or wrongly, I am always excited for the acts to come on. Mm. And I was excited, but when you were on there and you were going off the stage, I was like, oh no, I wanted, <laughs> wanted to be I more briny. That's, that's the biggest compliment any host can receive. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> because, because I think of my, my role as a compare as the glue. And the, and the glue is not the bit of any beautiful creation that you see and appreciate necessarily, right? The glue is the bit that holds it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, shoot, the artist isn't quite ready yet. Right. Let's, uh, let's yeah, yeah. pad this out a bit more. Absolutely. Yeah. I have no idea what's going to come out of my mouth at any given moment. I have <laughs> really? no idea. 
I don't have a script. I don't have an I don't I don't know what's going to come out. But the venues that I work at, like the Phoenix Arts Club, the atmosphere there and the crowd that come in, they know what they're coming into. The performers there are phenomenal. Mm. How could it be difficult to go and next up is this insane international performer about to do something you've never seen? Oh, tough gig. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I really enjoy it. And I think that trans, mm. I think that I'm very sure that that comes across because that's not, that's not false. That's not fake. Maybe that is, maybe that is, but I was, I was mesmerized. So it wasn't, it, I mean, yes, it was that you were completely captivating, but your voice when you were singing as well, you sang that song, the Sam Smith one. Oh, oh unholy. Uh, unholy. Oh, I oh. love that. I was literally Go like. Phoenix and to hear me sing unholy. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Your own rendition of, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. it's that, it, yeah, you changed a few words and. <gasps> It was amazing. Again, probably not to everybody. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but it really was amazing. How do you feel when you're standing up there on stage? Oh my gosh, the uh, the singing teacher I had cultivated this thing where performing is an act of generosity, not an act of ego. So when I sing, I really do think this is Oh, thank you guys. Thank you. And that's a really cheesy thing to say, but that is, I hope that's how it comes across because obviously with an opera training, the capacity to go big exists mm -hmm. and I can throw out a big belt note and that'd be very satisfying. And I do because it's, um, it's actually also part of cabaret. You want to get the biggest and the best bits the whole way through. But when, when you see people, especially, and I come back to the Phoenix Arts Club not just because it's where you came and saw mm -hmm. me, but because that space is so safe for anyone at any stage of their artistic or audience career. You know, coming along and seeing a show, you will see things and there will be an atmosphere that you're completely allowed to whoop and holler and have a fan and do whatever you need to do to just completely engage. Mm -hmm. And they completely encourage that. So how do I feel when I perform? Um, there's nothing else in my head, which doesn't happen at any other time. And in a beautiful, blissful way. And I feel very, very grateful that I get to do what I do. I think it's magical that you can find your inner peace mm -hmm. when you're on stage. Sure. And it's not and it's and it's loud as well, but you're mm. there internally finding your quiet. And I love that you're saying that thank you. Like I'm singing as an act of generosity. Mm. I think that's really beautiful. Like such a great tip for anyone who's mm. studying at the moment coming up, like maybe do it a little more for others mm. because it might make you express it in a different way. If you're singing for yourself Absolutely. on stage, I'd imagine it's very introvert. And there's yeah, a, there's a, there's a very fine balance. You have to have an ego to do what we do. Yeah because you have to be willing to stand of up course. and go, I am worth watching, <laughs> um, which, you know, I've worked really hard, I am. Yeah. But it's it's not, you're absolutely right. It's for people coming up, especially if you are an actor or performer, whatever actually, burlesque, yeah. whatever you are doing, mm. dance, anything, it is a direct conversation with an audience. And if it isn't for the audience, that then you have not got the memo. 
Yeah. And they won't get them. Mm. And it will not create that amazing bond. And you might just do this sometimes when you're absolutely exhausted and you feel like I really cannot do this right now. I'm so tired. Lights go on. Mic happens. You go. I've arrived. Yeah. Yeah. It's tonic. It's tonic for everyone. And it is, it's a very special thing to do. Mm. I would certainly not get up and go to an office at nine in the morning and feel the same amount of inspiration. That's not for me. Not for me either. I tried it once. Yeah. I was like, me too. just, uh, I, I need to have so much, so much more. I mean, people, they, they love office jobs and that's, yeah, exactly. that is absolutely fine. But when I was sat at the desk, I was just tapping my feet and mm-hmm. I just need to be moving. Yeah. And just, yeah. It's... And when I talk to, um, to, I say muggles, to non, non-theatre folk, non-cabaret folk, mm-hmm. and they go, oh, well, what you do is really interesting. What I do is this. And I go, do you enjoy what you do? And they go, yeah, I love it. I'm like, well, then it's interesting. That's what I say. And but that's be- amazing. Yes. And I could not do, I admire you. Uh-huh. I couldn't, I can't do what you do. Yeah. And the world would not go around if we were all cabaret hosts. No. I'd be out of a job. This is <laughs> when people say to me um and I've thinking what do you do say what I'm doing now and what I used to do and Mm -hmm. is it just a bit like bang 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 and they go what do you do oh my job's boring I go no No. do you love your job Mm -hmm. yes well then it's going to be interesting and they're like oh she's giving me the time to for me to talk about me that's great and I think there's an element of artistry in the way that you can speak to people and interact you know it doesn't have to just be on stage I think you can use that skill and apply it to everyday life and it makes you much happier as well absolutely and I think that um when you were just saying then about people being given the space to talk about themselves we get to do something that allows us our individuality and autonomy it's not reliable Mm -hmm. you don't know what's coming in you get to a certain point now I know I'm you know I know what's happening for the next four four or five months and a few things beyond Mm. fine Mm -hmm. it's taken time to get there it takes time (laughs) but people who work in a job an office job or something you know more conventional they may not feel they have the sense of identity the strong sense of identity Mm. that we do yeah so give people a chance give people time to and then when you are performing it is the office people who are coming to see your show Exactly. Because they want to cut loose and enjoy, yeah, and witness and be part of that. Because it's um, it's just good, honest fun. It is, it <laughs> is. I mean, if anyone's listening and not gone to a cabaret show, you have to go. Mm-hmm. It's life changing. And what you were saying earlier about you know people are people are there with the fans and clapping mm-hmm. and whooping and even banging on the table, yeah. and it is like a way for you to let loose in a very physical way as well. You're just like, I need to get the week that I've had out of my body, completely immerse myself in fabulous entertainment. Absolutely. And with uh, another thing about opera that I loved, that I've taken into cabaret, is you get moments of extreme stillness and emotion. So you get an aria where you are just transported elsewhere. That can happen in a cabaret, depending on a song choice, on lighting choice, talk to the team who are running it behind the scenes because without the tech team and the bar staff, it doesn't happen. Mm. It doesn't work. And they're amazing at what they do. So talk to them about cultivating the atmosphere that you want. And you can have a four and a half minute opera 
you can have one song with the right backdrop and the right lights and the right bit of bit of haze, bit of smoke, and you can fully transport people in the same way that something like opera can. So true. So true. I've had moments where I'm watching and I'm just like, yeah, the atmosphere that's mm. brought, especially the dry ice. I love a bit mm. of dry oh. ice. It's just very mystical and I love that. I th yeah, it's very important. I'm actually looking to get someone who's doing the behind the scenes, you know, mm. physically, you know, doing the lighting, doing the production, because it is so important. Mm -hmm. If they would, if a dancer was to do something and it was just an empty stage with just a plain white backdrop, you're not going to get that same energy. It's going to be a fantastic mm -hmm. performance, but you need you need this, the the lighting change and, and the yes, mm. just creating drama. Oh, I love it! Yeah. I love it. Even when I go and see a show, I'm just like I'm fully invested in every single way. <laughs> I'd also say that um, lots of fantastic West End shows, you have to save up for a while to be able to go and see one in a seat that you're really happy with. True. Cabaret doesn't have to be super expensive. You often are able to eat whilst watching the cabaret, which we're used to. We don't mind. It doesn't, it's not a thing. It like, it's not like, I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, like, dinner and a on, show. Do the thing. Mm. Have dinner and a show at the mm. same time. Um, and you also get in musicals, you can be waiting for your favourite song to happen. You yeah. wait for your favourite number. Yeah. Cabaret, every single bit is each performer's best three and a half minutes. Exactly. So you only get highlights. Uh-huh. And I went and saw a cabaret show that I think was four acts too long. And that is to say that it was all so overwhelmingly amazing. I physically could not take in anymore. <laughs> I was like, I'm so saturated with talent and dazzle. I'm exhausted. <laughs> so you can yeah. actually, programming it's a real art as well. Yeah. Programming it is a real art. And I've, I've, I've begun a production company with a wonderful colleague called Emma, who actually first booked me at the Phoenix. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and we, we love programming and making sure that you get someone who's got something very high energy and then something a bit more with a bit more um, gravitas and grace, perhaps. And then something, you know, making sure that the arc, even though in Cabaret there's no story per se, mm -hmm that you get an arc that takes you somewhere that you don't feel like spent too soon. And you do feel like you get to the end and you're like, I am completely full of what I just saw without being overwhelmed. I can already tell it's going to be an amazing production. I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm going to talk about that in a little bit because yeah. we need to talk about that bit in detail for sure. Um, oh God, there's so much to think about. There's so much that I, I hadn't thought of, but you go to a show and that journey and mm. yeah, it's, it's the highlights. That's such a great way of putting it really, really good. <sighs> and, yes. the, and each act designs and makes and gets made their own costumes. Mm. They have helped or do edit their own tracks. They do their own makeup. They design their own color palette and wig. They do all of that backstage whilst they're getting ready. They make sure that's all delivered on time to the tech team so that mm -hmm. they can then plug it in if there's a screen behind the stage or if not, the lighting is appropriate. The whole vision, it's a lot to be one of these amazing performers who performs acts at Cabaret. Um, and there is no limit. If I mean, there was a Halloween show recently where yeah. we had Freddy Krueger <laughs> doing lip sync drag and it was just I just Freddy Krueger lip sync drag 
I'm trying in to what picture. other world? <laughs> and it was mesmerizing. They were okay. mesmerizing. Robin mm. Tracy, if you want to look them up, mm. unbelievable. And you just go, who came up with that? Oh, it was them. And then they made the track and then they made the costume and then they brought it all here in a huge suitcase. And if you ever see someone on a suitcase on tube without a airplane sticker, <laughs> you have encountered a cabaret person. Yes, <laughs> definitely. It's definitely true. <laughs> so what's your favorite genre like to sing? I mean, obviously mm. you've, you've, you've done opera and you obviously love the classical, but what do you, what's your favorite genre to sing now in cabaret? I think there's a lot of room for, so depending on whether there's a live band, some of them have a live trio and the one I do at the net uh, with black cat, that's a fantastic trio. So that tends to be very jazz inspired mm. modern things. So I do a, uh, an arrangement with them of golden years by David Bowie. Love it. And it's with trio. So you've got this golden year. That's really backbeats and simple and sexy. That in that venue, spot on. Mm -hmm. But if I ever get a chance to burst out with some Shirley Bassey or some Celine Dion, best know I'm going to take that opportunity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it depends on the venue. I am fundamentally greedy. And I want to sing a bit of it all. <laughs> and I think classical allows me to. Yes. That foundation and that training allows me to. Yeah, I agree. Mm. I agree. I mean, your voice is just, <sighs> it's amazing. You've got to go and see her. She's fabulous. She's fabulous. <laughs> so how do you get the crowd going in a cabaret show? When you first, when you first get up, you don't know how they're going to respond. Mm. You don't know them. So how do you just get them going? That is so interesting because it's only something I started thinking about this year. Right. It, it always just sort of organically happened. Mm -hmm. And I think being in your 20s, you don't analyse very much. You just do. And coming into my 30s, I've started going, actually, it's quite fascinating which which ones work really well or which tactics work for certain. You walk into a room and you have to read a room. And I think I'm reasonably good at that. But also people do give you a lot. If they give you nothing, they're giving you a lot. If they give you a lot, they give you a lot. So you yeah. can, it is, if you're just paying attention, mm. you can deduce from that. And I think I'm fairly uh, aware, so I can feel it out. But how do I get them on side? I flirt with the women and I elevate everyone into, this is cabaret. Anyone in here never been to cabaret. It's quite a common bit of, host patter okay but i think it's really important because if anyone is a burlesque or cabaret virgin they might not know what to expect and if you're a theater attendee you might not feel you can make any noise or do anything you uh -huh. know sort of like i can't even eat my jelly babies you know, like, <laughs> actually you're allowed to make as much noise as you like you're allowed to go up to the bar and order you can do what you like giving people the permission yeah I like that. Actively giving people permission and then reiterating that at least three times. Okay. People will hear it a first time, believe you a second, crack on a third. Is that why? Yeah. So you I go, that. guys, do not, I, there's something to do with, you, you, you know what it's like. If you're mm. told something, you'll go, okay, I heard that. Yeah. Second time, you're like, oh, they weren't joking. <laughs> 
third time, like, all right, bloody hell, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, make some noise. You know, like, do more next time. And then yeah. by the end, you're just like, right, let's go. We're ready. <laughs> <laughs> more, more, more. <laughs> what has been the funniest or best moment on stage? Oh, I know exactly what it is. Okay. We, I haven't I haven't been briefed on this question in advance, <laughs> but it happened very, very recently. And there is a very rude word in it, so I won't say it. You're fine. But it's brilliant. I was, uh, it wasn't super busy. And there are circular little tables and people can have their drinks and food on the tables. And there is a table of two very near the front. And I walk down and I've done my first song. People are aware that, that there's about to be burlesque next, whatever's going to happen. And they need a little bit of time to set up. So I go out into the crowd just to talk to people. Mm-hmm. What's your name? Where'd you come from? That sort of <laughs> and I went to this lady. I went, hello, lady sitting next to sitting next to her male friend. And I said, what's your name? And she goes, Lois. And I went, oh, Lois. Lois, you never meet a Lois. Wow. And is this your Superman? And she turns around and goes, no, he's my Clark C-word. <laughs> and if you know that Superman's alter ego is Clark Kent, I went to the floor, <laughs> handed her the microphone, and was just like, you just carry on. I cannot improve on that. That is unbelievable. It just came out of her mouth, and she she looked surprised at herself. She went, that was good, wasn't it? And I was like, yes, it was very good. So I'm on the floor for about 35 seconds, pull myself together and carry on. But it, if you want a heckle from an audience member, that is that is a diamond moment. Oh my god! Yeah, that's so that's so funny. And so much happens in an evening mm. that actually there are so many details that I wish I could remember that I will have forgotten just by virtue of so much happens every single show that isn't as I said. There's no script, so there's no plan. So if something happens, it's organic. Mm. It's just great, and you go with it. But I have a sort of brain which it goes, oh, that was wonderful. And then the next show, I'm immediately in it again. So I might not super vividly remember, but that one. Lois, wherever you are, <laughs> you, you've, made, you've made a few dinner parties a damn sight more interesting. Well done. <laughs> I mean, that's genius, isn't it? It is. That's really it's funny. It's so quick. So I love quick. that she was surprised by it as well. She did. She went, no, who's my clock? <laughs> did well there I did well there it was really good it was really really good yeah perhaps she was feeling a little bit um angry at him yeah. <laughs> yeah, not not Kent's today yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah yeah needs a stronger word to describe <laughs> that man that is so funny that's so funny so you can't think of any other moments I mean I, I remember when you were on stage and you held on to, um, it was Jules, he was next, and so you were yeah. holding on to, it's, it's like a cube yeah, that he's yeah. going to be um, using. And you, you were just like, see this, you know, to people that are really close. And you were swinging your leg out, go, so this is how close they're going to be. And I was, I was laughing my head off because I was like, that is really, really funny because everyone's reactions were just like, Oh, this is, this is real. This is, yeah. uh, this is potentially dangerous, but you are obviously, you need to make people aware to be safe, but adding some comedy value to it. Well, that's it. It's And and going, the joy of live theatre, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else, is that if a human foot appears to be coming towards (laughs) your face, a human foot is coming towards your face. (laughs) Duck! (laughs) So if everyone that's right near the stage, and there is a little stage, so within that area, 
it is, it's been measured. You can't really get hit. But if it does feel like you've moved your chair a little bit closer just to be mm. nearer for, for things going on earlier, make sure that you are then back where your chair started. Otherwise, a human foot may come near your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people don't necessarily actually... Um, Remember, because you're in such a heightened and theatrical environment, people don't necessarily remember that that is actually a thing. Like if a human foot, if someone's doing an aerial act and they're spinning around, they just trust that it's happening because they're so skilled. Mm. And so they lean in and you're like, oh, be really careful with that. Because actually, if you lean in and they because they, they're spinning, they can't keep an eye on you the whole time. No. And it's not their fault if I've briefed you. But it is ultimately going to damage them as much as it could you. Yeah. It's dangerous. It's real. Yeah. That's the amazing thing about it. And Daniela was doing her um, nail bed mm. act at Halloween. And Daniela gets an audience member to stand on her tummy whilst lying on a bed of nails, which is not what most people expect from a Monday night out, even if it is a Halloween show. <laughs> and that, that's real. There are no smoke and mirrors, sword swallowers. It's not a trick. They are doing that and they have a staggeringly strong gag reflex. Yes, they do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's the amazing thing about the live element. Mm. People completely trust that what they're seeing is, it's almost so remarkable. They don't believe it's happening in real life. Yeah, I get that. So you forget mm. to actually not put yourself in the way of it, in the way of the danger of it. Yeah. 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 I went to a circus performance recently. It was like a pop-up event mm -hmm. and they had us quite far back. And I was like, That's, it's further back than, than it normally is. And then this blimmin' great thing came out where they were just going round and round. So it was like, um, if you imagine two circular um, it's almost almost like hamster wheels, but they mm. don't move with this. And it was like a pendulum, but they could, it could go all the way around. Oh, wow. And they were doing flips and they were, as it was making that motion, they were doing tricks, but staying on top of it. And I was like, oh. I see where we're yes. now. Mm. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but then I was like, oh, yeah. That, that. I also, I, it never ceases to amaze me that with, with the fact that it's actually happening in front of you, I've, almost never seen an, a performer mess up. I've certainly never seen an aerial performer mess up. Um, but like jugglers, they never get it wrong. Yeah. And they're just, they're just, it's just practice. They're just that skilled. Yeah. And what I do, I find is a skill, but it's, um, the stakes are very low for me. Cause if I say something, if I fumble what I'm saying, I make a joke, I crack on, I can then Introduce an act, go backstage, sorted, mm -hmm. have a sip of wine, whatever, and then come back on. But like the, it's incredible. If you're juggling a sword and you get the wrong end of it, then it really is, it's actually a thing. Yeah. If you're sword swallowing, it's actually a thing. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen them ever get it wrong. And the admiration is real. So real. I think that is the most inspiring part of all of it. I love the backstage and the security and the safety and the happy silliness that goes on backstage. But I really am in awe 
of the people I get to work with and I get to work with them. So in some way, I go, if I'm having a rough day or I'm not feeling very confident or, or very, very good, I go, I can't be that bad. If I get to work with these people, I can't be that bad. No, and you're rated highly, by the way. <laughs> there was a reason I approached you. <laughs> but the person or the little voice in your head occasionally needs talking to. Yeah. It's a talking down from being mean. And you do have that, don't you? No matter how skilled and confident mm. you're going to have days where you go just not quite feeling mm. myself today i mean is yeah. there anything that you do to help that or do you just go i'm with people that are going to be my support system and it makes it okay or is there something that you do within you i have found i lost my way with exercise for a while and i found getting back into exercise has helped quite so much of that I have a wonderful husband who's an incredible support. I have great friends and my wobbles are only ever personal. I have this strange thing where I actually am really quite, I've worked really hard to be the singer and the host I am. And if, if something doesn't go exactly the way I want it to go, I go, right, lesson learned. That won't happen again. And it doesn't. So on a professional level, I'm happy and pretty solid. It doesn't really wobble. Personally, I go, am I too busy to see my friends? Am I available enough for my friends? Not not many of the friends that I had before Cabaret work the same hours as me. So I can't see them very easily unless we have a board game day on a Sunday. Oh, okay. Love it. Um, and that that's where I wobble. I go, oh, am I, am I doing enough for my friends? Am I available enough for my friends? And personal wobbles and the way to get around that I do exercise or walk get outdoors or just try and message or see them because that's you know see friends because that that pretty quickly sets me right yeah and I think I'm exactly the same getting back in touch with friends that you mm. don't see quite so often that are oh, your nearest and dearest but mm. yeah the unsociable hours that you have to work and the gigs take priority because yeah. it's money and they do understand that they do but it doesn't make it easier mm -mm. and the exercise I love going for a walk in nature mm. I just feel really grounded and connected and it just it definitely helps me so what is your next move, your big plans for the future? You started to talk about it a little bit, but I think yes. definitely time to bring that to attention. So my next move, I sort of have two parts of this. So I really would love to be able to contribute more to what it is we are seeing in shows up and down the country and further afield as well. So joined forces with Emma Lord to form Crowd Pleaser Productions. We're very new. We've got a couple of great things in the diary and we've got a concept we are developing at the moment, mm. which I think is going to go exceedingly well. I'm not going to go into details about that just because I want it to get a big launch. Yeah, yeah? fair enough. So we've got a thing which we're doing at the moment, which is it's effectively a cabaret show, but with a certain element and theme. Mm -hmm. um, and so that production company is female-led, making sure people are paid at least 50% in advance and then on the day because there is a 28-day policy in most production companies which makes absolutely no sense. You shouldn't be waiting 28 days to pay, to do get paid for work that you've done. No. And actually, based on how our lives go and how up and down, sometimes it's very busy, sometimes it's less busy, 
you need your money when you've earned it. Yeah, you do. So that's our, they are our two main things is making sure that we are paying people ahead of half and on time, the full amount. And also because we are female led, making sure that we're giving opportunities to potentially less represented performers who are just brilliant at what they do, but aren't being booked because certain other producers have a very clear idea of what they want for their shows. Mm -hmm. and we want to make it a bit more diverse. Sounds wonderful. So that is our MO, Crowd Pleaser. That's what we're doing with that. Um, and what a great name, Crowd Pleaser. How did no one have that? How? How did no one have that? <laughs> we went on to find like by domains because we had this idea. Well, it's going to have to be Crowd Pleasers events or something. It's not Crowd Pleaser. We've got brilliant. It. It's brilliant. And we're thrilled. And we work really well together. There's a complete equal respect. And all of Emma's skills perfectly complement in her strengths are my weaknesses. And I like to think that that is equally met by me. You know, we both mm. have really, we really do jigsaw together exactly what you need to make a really complete. And it's really set. important to have a good partner. Mm. And also when, you know, you're both contributing something to the business. Mm -hmm. And then if one of you isn't sure, you, you know, it's just a yeah. constant balance, isn't it? You know, and that, it sounds amazing. Yes. And, and we can sound off each other mm. because I think we've both thought about doing this and tried to do this for years. We both booked for various events over the years, but actually doing it this formally and having a meeting every week to make sure that we're doing all the things that we need to both be doing and checking in with one another and asking advice and respecting that advice. Mm. It is, we have achieved so much in such a short space of time. I'm excited to see it. Mm. So we, when is it launching? We have, we have, we are, we are already producing an event for New Year's Eve, but this particular product I'm talking about, we should be getting that out in the next three or four weeks. So this amazing concept that we have, um, which sounds so obvious and so simple is we know that cabaret and drinking go well together. Now, if you don't like to do that, that's absolutely fine. But we have a luxury wine pairing with cabaret performers. So you have a sommelier talking you through a wine and then you have a sparkling burlesque artist come out whilst you're tasting the sparkling. And then you have a full-bodied red and you've got a singer with a big, rich voice come out and sing. This is what we're doing up and down the country and there are plenty of vineyards and festival venues who want this. This is very clever. So that's what we're going for. Yes. And there's an amazing event, uh, drag and wine already, and they're wonderful and we are absolute, that is absolutely their product. Ours is nothing to do with drag. That mm. is absolutely nice. Yes. So we are doing cabaret and cabernet. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. So that's the plan there. Yeah. It's so unique. And and I totally get that. To have an act that's complementing what you're drinking and mm. obviously it's complementing. Oh, that is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. That's so how did that happen? Were you were you drinking uh, a glass of red and, and an act came on. You went, oh, this goes well together. <laughs> Weirdly, three things in the same meeting happened. Emma mentioned that she was doing her sommelier course. I mentioned that um, there was a, an act we'd just seen who was really, who was sparkling. And I said it wrong. So sparkly. <laughs> and then we talked about... Um, the fact that I'd been up to Edinburgh and I'd seen the Dragon Wine event. So I was like, sparkling. She's sparkling. Sommelier, wine. 
Sparkling, English sparkling wine. Drag, wine, run. Wait. <laughs> Wait a second. And we both, we, we did come up with it like together, just going, you're not. I am. No, you are. No, I am. No, we are. Wow. And it just, it really did. It was a fast moment of, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Mm. And we did. We were. <laughs> and you do have to act fast on things like yeah. that. When you feel like Absolutely. something is right, you have to go for it. Like this podcast. Mm -hmm. Within, I think, a month of thinking about it, I was already getting someone to do the artwork. I was Brilliant. making a thing yeah. because you just... You, you can't sit and wait for opportunities for the right moment. If something feels right, you just got to do it. Even if you mm -hmm. feel, oh, is, is this right? You know, you just got to go, don't, like, don't listen to that inner voice trying to put you off going, no, this feels right. This feels right for me. I'm going with it. But you're so brave because you're doing it solo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's but I'm, incredible. But I'm not in a way because I get amazing guests and it's, totally different conversations and it and it helps my ideas the more people that I speak to the more inspired I am and I think oh what more can I talk about and I'm getting more ideas all the time but if I was just on my own speaking mm. a podcast literally on my own I think I would be going so today we're going to talk about tutus never too too much never too too much See, sorry, you've made sorry. it into something better already. No. See, this is why. <laughs> this is why. It, it's like, yes, I'm doing this on my own, but I guess my guests are my support. Just well, it's really a different lovely. angle. It's really lovely to be able to think about it all in this way and have the questions that you're asking because you don't really consider it with such, you know, with actual time taken to talk about it. You don't talk yeah. like this unless it's in a setting like this. Mm. And you don't talk like this unless you feel really comfortable. Well, thank so, you for that. Thank you. This is, yeah, it's mutual. The the bouncing off is really mutual. It's mm. really important. Right. So as it's a Christmas special, and I bet so many are eager to hear your beautiful voice, <laughs> I was hoping that you would sing a song for us. Would that be all right? I'd love to. Yeah. Um, I've actually, after what we've been talking about, um, I think I think I've got I think I'll go for a Shirley Bassey because I think it shows the I think what it says is really important and I think within the cabaret community it covers a lot. Perfect. Right. Perfect. Thanks much. <laughs> say, hey world, I am what 
unusual for me oh, gosh, oh. <laughs> we're not i think everyone's going encore encore <laughs> sorry but not <laughs> not today we're also in quite close proximity and um i feel like candy is probably your ears probably ringing sorry we're quite close <laughs> no 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 it's fine i go raving my ears are Great. just okay. permanently damaged <laughs> <laughs> and now even more so you're welcome <laughs> oh the just the most beautiful voice honestly yeah, like I said, I'm not normally lost for words, but I'm just there going, right, that's that's just the most amazing thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Thank you so much. And wow. that, the reason for that one is what we've been talking about, resisting getting through all that you go through and all the weird and winding ways that we get to where we are in our lives. And around Christmas, you are, spend time with people you love the most you think about the people you love the most that might be far away or no longer here. You think about going into the new year. For goodness sake, open up your closet, do your thing. Hear, hear. <laughs> and what a way to end the podcast. Bryony, it's been a pleasure. You are incredible, incredible speaker, host, the talent. It's remarkable. I'm, I'm so honoured to have you on my show. Very much an honour to be here. Thank you so much, Candy. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. <laughs> Have you ever been sat in the same room as a singer of this standard? My gosh, just the most amazing experience. What a beautiful soul. I will put all the details of Bryony Perdue in the show notes, and she's definitely one to watch with the fabulous new business, Cabaret Cabernet. Please don't forget to click the follow button as it helps to boost the show. Thank you so much for all your support. Hopefully you've done all your prep for Christmas and all the Christmas shopping and are looking forward to some time to reset. 
Much love to you all and Merry Christmas. <laughs>